1: He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
0: Jesus, I come rejoicing that you are the shelter from the coming storm. I come rejoicing that you are beyond kind and merciful. I come rejoicing that I can put my trust in you today, knowing that you are slow to anger, compassionate, and merciful. Lord, I come praising and honoring and worshiping your mighty name today. I ask that the words that are spoken would be from your heart and from your mouth. I ask, Lord, that you would have what you want, that you would have your way in every person who listens to this broadcast. Lord, have your way. Establish over them your authority and your right to rule your kingdom, Jesus Christ. And I will praise you and honor you and glorify your name. Thank you, O Lord. Send now, send now your Holy Spirit. And deal with our our hearts. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I have a question for you. What does God want from you? What does God want? want from you. Most of the prayers I hear and most of the people that I talk with have a list of things they would like from God. They'd like their health restored. They would like that new job or that That new car or that new house. They would like something for their family. Almost everyone I talk with has a great list of things they want from God. And some don't want anything from God. They say, I'm doing fine on my own. I don't need God. In fact, I don't even believe He exists. I'm doing just fine. And as one man said to me, I don't believe in a uh, God. I'm God, and I'm as good as it gets. Very, very successful businessman. Well, if you do want something from God, what's number one on your list? Are you asking God to do something for you? Well, I want to turn that question around today. I want to ask you the question, what does God want from you? When God wants something from one of you, he will go to almost any length to achieve what he wants. There's a story in the scripture that illustrates this perfectly. In the Old Testament, there is a prophet by the name of Samuel. But the way Samuel came about, that's the story. Elkanah was a devout Jew. And he had two wives. He had Hannah and Penea. Penea had children, but Hannah had none. She was barren. And we're told that the Lord himself closed her womb and made it impossible for her to have a child. Why? Because God wanted something from her. And the only way he could get what he wanted from her was to close her womb. I talk with people sometimes who the wives have wombs that are closed and they cannot bear children. It always makes me think about this story and makes me ask, what is it that God wants from this couple that they refuse to give him? See, children are a gift from God. They're not throwaways. They're not to be aborted. They're not to be murdered. That is the utter wickedness of our age. The pride of our age. The sin. The the, the holocaust of our age. Babies. The most unsafe place. In America today, is in the womb of a mother who doesn't want her child and wants to throw him away. But for God, children are very, very important. He treasures each one. So they would go from Elkanah's town at the prescribed times to Jerusalem to Shiloh. At that point, it wasn't Jerusalem, it was Shiloh. That's where the tent of meeting was held. Eli was the chief priest. Hophni and Phinehas, the two evil sons, who were the clergy of the day. Now when Elkanah would come to sacrifice, a portion of the meat would come back to him and he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Panea, and to her sons and daughters. But when it came to Hannah, he would give her a double portion because he loved her. But she was utterly ashamed because she could not give Elkanah a child, a son. And this was a source of great misery in her heart. Her rival, Penea, would provoke her, irritate her, say things, cast her down. This went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, Especially then, Penea would provoke her until she wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Well, yes, that's exactly the issue. She wanted to be able to bear a son. To please her husband. Now, I want you to get this picture because some of you are also in misery. You need healing, you need money, you need a new car, you need a son or daughter to behave themselves. You need a healing between you and your husband or between you and your wife. And you've been praying and asking God to do this. And it's as though the heavens were closed up. He's not heard you. He's not spoken to you. You just continue to be upset because life is not comfortable for you. Well, You have several choices. One of those choices, and not a good one, is to say, oh, well, that's life. I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to tough it out. I'm going to go through. I'm going to endure. I'm going to do what I have to do, because a man has to do what a man has to do, right? I'm just going to be the man. I'm just going to be the woman. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm strong. I can handle it. That's a very destructive choice for you to make in your life. To be stoical about your pain. To be stoical about your loss. Your lack. Or if you're quite comfortable. If you're quite comfortable. You could just settle into that marriage or settle into that job, settle into the entertainment that you enjoy, settle into the social media that you enjoy. And life is good. But the years are passing. You don't get younger, you get older. You face retirement. You face answering the question, what have I done? What have I done for the Lord? Where do I stand with Almighty God? No anguish of heart. Just able to go and eat out as you'd like and take vacations as you'd like. Buy a new car as you'd like. How's life? Life is good. I can tell you now that all of that is in the process of dramatically changing because the storm is coming. Hurricane. The hurricane is coming. And it's going to blow everything away. And normalcy will not ever be returned to America. Already the gas prices are surging. Already we're headed toward $140 a a barrel of oil, which will shove gas up to close to $10 a gallon. Already we're watching as the food is being destroyed purposely across America. Food. Food. Centers are being burned. Farms are being burned. We see the coming storm. The cost of of goods and clothing, if you can get it, is higher and higher priced. The storm is coming. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to believe that the storm is coming, and many of you will lose your jobs. And you're going to be hungry Many of you will probably lose automobiles, houses, land, because you can no longer afford to pay the mortgage. You're upside down. You can't pay. So you can pretend right now that you can still be comfortable and you can go about your life as you choose. But that's ending, you, you understand, because Jesus is the storm and he is the refuge. He is the shelter from the storm. He is, he is allowing this horrendous, blowing, ripping hurricane to hit America, but also the whole Western world. No, yay, the whole world. things are not going to be comfortable much longer. So we have a choice. We can hide our head in the sand and pretend that everything is going great. We can endure. We can be tough. I'm strong. I can handle anything life throws at me. Mm -hmm. I remember a man, he was on kidney dialysis. He'd finally had all the dialysis he could stand. The pain of his body was so great. His family called me and said, could you please come to his bedside at the hospital? He was not a Christian. And so I went to his bedside and he saw me and he said, Pastor, I don't need you to pray for me. And don't tell me about this gospel business. I've chosen to discontinue all treatment. And they've told me that within just a couple of hours, I'll go to sleep, I'll enter a coma, and I will die. I've lived a good life, and I'm fine with dying. There's nothing beyond. I'm okay. So please don't pray for me, and don't talk to me about the gospel. Okay? Okay. Okay. Well, he doesn't realize that on the other side, hell is waiting for him. He knows that today. He's already there. He went there quickly when he passed. What do I mean he passed? He passed from this life to the next, to hell. So, we can deal with all of the, the selfish desires that I have what I want. I'm going for what I want. But then the haunting question comes. What does God want from you? What does God want from Hannah? God wants Hannah to give him something. Something. And she's clueless about what it is that God wants her to give. And so year after year, she doesn't give God what he wants. And so he holds her in this place with a closed womb as Penea torments her. And she weeps. And she prays. And finally, in the utter Bitterness of her soul. Sometimes the only way we will do what God wants us to do is when in the bitterness of our soul, we say, okay, Lord, I will give to you what you want. They would finished eating and drinking and were ready to head home. They were packing up. Hannah was broken and crying. She went one last time to the to the tent of meeting, to the temple. And there in bitterness of soul, Hannah continued to weep and pray. And then she made a vow. The vow was, "O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head she makes a vow to give God her first son. That's what God had been waiting for. God wanted a holy man to lead Israel. Eli was the priest, but he was a wicked priest. His two sons were sexually unclean, the scriptures tell us. They were having affairs with the temple servers, the women who came to the temple like some kind of pagan worship. She made a vow. Now I want to ask you, what vow is God asking you to make? What does God want from you? I can tell you what God wants from me. He's been very clear with me about it. He wanted me to repent, and I did. He wanted to make me into a new creature. I submitted. But then he told me what he wanted. He wanted me to wait upon him. I'm not a waiter. I don't like waiting on anybody or anything. I'm a go-go. Let's get it done. But God said, Wait upon the Lord. So I'm giving God the vow he asked me to make, which was, I will do nothing, I will not reach out to provide for myself. I will receive only from the hand of God what he gives me and all that I possess, all of my skills, all of my talent, I give it all into the hand of God and I will wait upon him for he is my deliverer. I won't go rent a public space to move out of the house church mode into a full church building process? I won't do that. That would be the wise thing, humanistically speaking. No, I'm going to wait upon the Lord, and I'm going to receive from his hand only what he chooses to give me. And if on that great judgment day I stand before his throne... And he asks me, Ray, what did you do with the life I gave you? I will say to him, Lord, you ordered me to wait upon you, and I have waited faithfully upon you. Now I ask you the question, what does God want from you? Probably he does not want you to simply wait upon him as he has ordered me. He will have something else he will tell you. What does God have to put you through? Pain, misery, poverty. What does God have to do in your life to finally bring you to a place where you make a vow and say, Lord, whatever you want from me, I will give you. Simply make plain to me what you want, and it is yours. I hold nothing back from you, almighty God. I don't hold my life. I don't hold my money. I have no money. I have no life. I have nothing. It is all given into your hands. My late wife, Jan. Many times I heard her pray, Lord, my life is yours. Use it however you wish. And as she lay dying of cancer, she said to me, Ray, I never imagined that God would want to use my life for cancer. Oh, but I tell you, the testimony of her life as she lay dying of cancer was of such a powerful impact on so many people. It gave her an opportunity to speak the gospel to many, many people. And it had such a profound impact in my own life. It set me on a whole new track with God. Would it be okay if God used your life for cancer? How does God want to use you? What does God want from you? You are not here on your own. You do not own yourself. You are owned by Almighty God. How does he want to use you as you spend your life seeking the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil, enjoying the entertainment, going here, going there, acting like you're in charge? My brother, my sister, God wants something from you. And for some of us, he put us into such a tight, pinching, squeezed place that we had no option but to cry out and say, Oh, God, whatever you want, I'm yours. Whatever you want from me, I give to you. I would not, of my personality, simply wait upon God. I would not of my personality simply say, I will receive only from the hand of Jesus what he chooses to give me. No, I want to go out and take what I want. I want to go out and earn what I desire. And the Lord said, no. And he put me in such a tight place that I finally could only cry out, Lord, what do you want from me? And he said to me, audibly, like I'm speaking to you now, will you receive from my hand only that which I choose to give you? Yes, Lord. Without even thinking, I said, yes, Lord. Well, now I'm asking that question again. What does God want from me? I know that I'm to do the radio broadcast. I know that I'm to host a Bible study on Thursday evenings. I know I'm to host a worship service in my home every Sunday morning at 10. I know those things. But now, what do you want from me, God? Already, I say, Lord, whatever you want, it's yours. She made a vow. She made a vow. And she said, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant... But give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. I will give my child to you. If you will give me a child, God, I will give my child to you. As she stood praying, Eli confronted her and said, How long will you keep getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And suddenly, all of the grief and sorrow was lifted from her heart because she was now willing to give to God what he wanted from her. You want peace? You want joy? You want life? You want healing? Then give God what he wants from you. Stop being stubborn. Turn from your wicked stubbornness, from your determination that you will have what you want, no matter what the cost. Some of you are so strong, you're going to drive right straight on. You're not going to pray. You're not going to humble your heart before God. You're not going to weep before God. You're a strong man. You're a strong woman. Do you want God to release you? Then give God what he's asking for from you. The next morning, they all got up. They worshiped before the Lord, and then they began the journey back to Ramah. And the scriptures say, Elkanah lay with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her because she was now willing to give to the Lord what he wanted from her. And I can hear some of you saying, Pastor, I don't have a clue what God wants from me then get with God and find out what he wants from you or you will not be released from your misery. Or if you are released from your grief or your misery or your comfort zone, you will never receive the blessing of God in your life and you will die like a pagan and you will be shuttled off to hell. The storm is coming. Jesus is the storm. And He is the shelter from the storm. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Hannah conceives, and she gives birth. And she names him Samuel. Samuel means God heard my prayer. After the boy is weaned, I don't know at what age that would be, perhaps four or five in that culture, maybe even six, maybe even later. She took the boy and a three-year-old bull Flour, a skin of wine, and she she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And she said to Eli, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. Now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. amazing such such obedience and courage to give god what he's asking for god is asking some of you to give in some way for the building of the kingdom of god and you've thrown it aside and said that can't be god Some of you, he's asked to lay down your ambition. And you say, I can't do that. I I can't be a failure. I have to be somebody. Some of you, he's asking to lay aside your, your attempts to make yourself secure. Jesus is the only security. He is the only shelter from the storm. Some of you are trying to find that wife or that husband. I know, I've been there. He wants you to give up searching for that husband or that wife and to let Him be everything for you. Give that husband or that wife to Jesus and let Jesus be enough. And he will give you a wife or a husband. Some of you want healing in your body. Okay, what, <clears throat> pardon me, what does Jesus want from you? Some of you, he wants you to turn your TV off. To stop going to your cell phone 20 times a day to turn the YouTube channels off where you're worshiping at the altar of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to read the scriptures and pray and search after him. What does Jesus want from you? Now, I can tell you what will happen when you give God what he wants. This is my experience. This was Hannah's experience. Let me read it for you. First Samuel, the second chapter, Hannah prays and says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. That was to Penea. The bows of the warriors are broken but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, and those who were hungry, hunger no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who had many sons pines away. Did you catch that? Hannah has now borne seven children, a perfect number. She gave one to God, and God gave her six more. God is not a cheater. God does not take and not give. But he gets angry when we always come asking him to give, and we're not willing to give back to him what he wants. You know, I hear people say, I think, I think tithing is in the Old Testament. I don't think that's New Testament. Well, I disagree. I think tithing is a New Testament principle, but in the New Testament, it's much more than that. It's everything you own. You want blessings from God? Are you giving at least 10% and an offering beyond that? If you are, you will have small blessings. He wants everything from you. He wants you. God wants you. Chapter 2, verse 6. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and he has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's and upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints But the wicked will be silenced in darkness. Who are the wicked? Those who only want from Jesus, but are not willing to make a vow to give him their lives. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. That's what's coming right now, brother, sister. We are about to leave the age of grace and enter the age of judgment. He will thunder against them from heaven. And the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. My brother, my sister, have you heard? Is this plain? Is it clear? Do you understand? You need to take some very significant time to kneel before the Lord or sit before the Lord with your Bible. And you need to ask him, Lord, what is it you want from me? And then read the scriptures. Read the story of, of Hannah in First Samuel, the first and second chapters. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the Gospels. Read the book of Revelation. Read First John. Read the book of Romans with especially emphasizing Romans, the sixth chapter and ask God, what is it you want from me, O God? Don't let the pain of your life, of your body, of your heart, turn you aside from asking God, what do you want from me? For it was not until Hannah was willing to make that vow to God, to give him what he wanted, he wanted that child to be a godly man that he could use in the deliverance of Israel, what does God want from you today? I can be absolutely certain with you that God wants something from you. I know He wants repentance from you. I know He wants submission from you. I know He wants to break the pride of your heart. I know He wants to turn you into a saint instead of a sinner. I know he wants to remove all sin from your life by the precious blood of Jesus. Not just forgive it, but affirm me, he wants to remove it from you. But beyond that, what does God want from you? What does God want from you? If you answer that question by saying, I don't know what God wants from me. How long will God have to create misery and hurt in your life until you're willing to acknowledge him as the king of kings and Lord of lords? How many relationships have to break? How many sicknesses have to come? How many jobs do you need to lose? How much trauma do you need in your life before you're finally willing to say, okay, God, Lord Jesus, I am yours. I will do what you've asked me to do. Just make it plain to me. Make it plain where I'm to go, what I'm to do, what I'm to give. Make my path plain. For it says he will guard the feet of his saints it does not say he will guard the feet of his imputed grace sinners. It doesn't say that. It is not by strength that we prevail. If we oppose the Lord and do not ask him what he wants from us, the day will come and is soon upon us when he will shatter our lives. And he will thunder against you from heaven. And he will bring you into that great judgment. I hope what I have said to you today has both frightened you and caused you a moment of pause to say, I'd better find out what God wants from me. Some of you I know are just going to go on your merry way. You've got your plans all made. You're going to keep your plans. Okay. You can do that. But you will remember what I have said today, that you will pay the price of being shattered by Almighty God. And then you will whimper before the Lord. Or you will go out stoic and strong and able and confident, Oh, brother, sister, don't go that way. Humble your heart before Almighty God. Cry aloud to him. Ask him what he wants from you. Now let's pray. Almighty God, I come bringing brothers and sisters asking, O Lord, that you would be very plain with them about what you want from them. You have spoken clearly to me what you want from me. And so now I wait upon you. It's not what I want. It's what you want because it is your kingdom, it is your authority, it is your power. Jesus, you are the Savior. Of the world. So I, with my brothers and sisters, continue now asking for absolute certainty about what you want from us. Lord, cause every person listening to this broadcast right now to forget about themselves and what they want and begin to ask you, Jesus, what do you want, Jesus? What do you want from me? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Oh, my Lord and my Savior, will you bring deep conviction to the heart of every person listening right now, And would you turn their heart toward you? And would you take charge of them, creating whatever you need to create in their heart and in their life, in their body, to cause them to finally say, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, I will give you whatever you ask for. And I will worship and praise you and honor you because I know when I have submitted and I am forgiven. I will have joy and peace in my heart. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your name. Amen. I've enjoyed this week's broadcasts with you. I pray they've been helpful. If these messages are important to you, would you reflect that in your giving to help us remain on the air? I thank you, Dirk, and many others who have been giving, Gloria, David, and many others. Lord, I thank him for you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. You're welcome to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Come a bit ahead of time. Join us as we pray in preparation for the worship service. You can also go to our internet, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. You can also find there a link to our brand new online radio station. Um, Go and have a listen. Give us some feedback. I thank our dear brother Ed for all of his hard work to make this possible. Ed Pugh is a saint and a servant of Almighty God. I praise God for his sacrificial work. Again, it's nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'll be looking for you online, and I'll be looking for your letters. I pray you will take seriously these words I've spoken to you today. The judgment is coming. The storm is about to break over us. Nothing is going to go back to being the wonderful, pleasant, prosperous America. We have gone too far in sin and God's judgment will fall and destroy this nation. But I pray you will give to God now what He wants from your heart. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Great joy with